1: Yes, it is, and welcome back as we head into Hour 3 today. It's a delight and privilege to welcome back my good friend and one of the smartest writers and thinkers in our country, uh, Stanley Kurtz. Dr. Kurtz is a senior fellow at the Ethics and Public Policy Center and has done yeoman's work on uh, exposing uh, of late uh, the connection between the attack on Western civilization and how that attack ends up becoming solidified as a curriculum into our schools. Stanley, welcome back to the show. Thanks for coming.
2: Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Of
1: course. You did a great piece in National Review. Biden set to push critical race theory on US schools. Before we take that specific issue that you wrote on up, um, for those that are just getting into this and they're gonna have to, um, like after 9-11, everyone was crash-studying Islam. We're going to all have to crash-study, do course-study uh, course and crash-studies on what critical race theory is, Stanley. Can you explain to the audience what critical race theory is?
2: Well, critical race theory is a, a modern form of Marxism, what you would call neo-Marxism, just as Marx argued that the liberties uh, Protected by democracy were actually bogus. Just a trick that to make the capitalist system sound good and justify the oppression of the proletariat by the capitalists, critical race theory takes that basic thought framework and moves it over into the area of race. And critical race theory says. All of these ideas, such as freedom of speech and our constitutional liberties, that's all just a tissue of nonsense to justify the oppressive powers of white supremacy uh, over uh, blacks and other racial minorities. And therefore, uh, we cannot um, honor the American system. We have to uh, fundamentally transform it. And this can result, for example... In a proposal by Ibram X Kendi, one of the most prominent critical race theorists, to have a new a constitutional amendment that would authorize authorize a Department of Anti-Racism, and the Department of Anti-Racism would vet uh, without a control over it, it would vet every law, every action by the government, and if it declared that action to be racist it would be able to eliminate it. Uh, That would quickly eliminate um, freedom of speech and pretty much our entire constitutional uh, system. And by the way, Ibram X. Kendi defines any policy that he disagrees with on almost any topic as racist. So essentially it's a prescription for a totalitarian dictatorship.
1: If I'm not mistaken, this is the same Ibrahim Kendi, professor at Boston University, who said one cannot be a capitalist and an anti-racist. Um, That's right. The, uh, something to keep in mind as we um, as we go forward in talking about what you write about here. He is a self-declared Marxist who has found his way, Stanley, into the Federal Register. Um, You write about a new rule issued by the Department of Education, U.S. Department of Education, published in the Federal Register. It actually quotes Ibrahim X. Kendi. It actually quotes it in the rule. Tell us what the Biden administration is up to here.
2: Well, Seth, the the, um, administration, uh, one of the things they have to administer is uh, is federal grants for education, including education in civics and history. There are several existing programs for federal grants in civics and history, and uh, the federal government has the ability and responsibility to promulgate rules giving the priority criteria for those grants. So basically it's saying, well, we're going to give a preference to grants that follow this trend. Sure. And, sure. Uh, the, in
1: 1776, uh, 1976, they gave grants that helped celebrate 1776. Of course, right? Exactly. Right, right, exactly. Right,
2: right. And what the Biden Department of Education has just declared is, when it comes to federal grants in civics and history, if you back the 1619 project and critical race theory, as articulated by Ibram X Kendi, who we've just discussed, then we're going to give a big preference for your grant request. Now, by itself, obviously this, this is terrible and sounds very bad, but it could be argued that the damage might be limited because the grant program that it will immediately apply to is relatively small. But combine this with the fact that we have a bill in Congress right now that even has a small amount of uh, Republican backing, although I hope that that will change, but we have a bill that will appropriate $1 billion a year for six years for grants in history and civics. And those grants, uh, when states apply for them, will essentially, uh, because of this new rule, require the states to promise as a condition of the grant to promote critical race theory and also, by the way, another radical program called Action Civics uh, in their K-12 through 12 education. So this rule uh, will allow the federal government to force critical race theory on every school district in the country in something like the way the Obama administration was able to force Common Core on 48 of the 50 states through a grant program called Race to the Top.
1: This is uh, the piece of legislation you're, just, you're, 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 you're warning us about. Is called the Civic Secures Democracy Act, if I'm not mistaken. That's what you were on last time to speak about, right, Stanley? That's the name of the law that must be That's stopped. the name
2: of the law, or the, the Civic Secures yeah, Democracy it. Act, it. and it really needs to be stopped. And
1: you have talked about how states can stop it, and I want to come back to that in a moment, Stanley. But before I do, talk to me a little bit about the great dangers here. Because bigger picture, um, a lot of Americans sighed a a breath of relief yesterday knowing that cities wouldn't burn and what we all agreed upon about a year ago, 90 percent of us anyway, that excessive force was used in Minneapolis, shook itself out in in a court of law and many of us sighed a breath of relief. But there is an investment. When you saw the president and vice president speak last night, and you've seen a lot of political activists and other elected officials speak today, including the attorney general, of of not leaving it there, what happened in Minneapolis there. They want to talk about what a systemically racist country this is and how every level of the government is going to work against ending that stain on our founding, to use Joe Biden's words. This, oddly enough, in a case that had nothing to do with race. The use of critical race theory, though, in all of our public policy, Stanley, is, is happening at a, at a rapid pace here. And the takeover of public schools almost makes me want to ask what took so long. <laughs>
2: Good point. You're absolutely right, Seth. President Biden has repeatedly uh, focused on the idea of systemic racism, which I think is is bogus and is part of this whole critical race theory framework. But it isn't just a throwaway line in a couple of speeches. He's enshrined it in an executive order. He's promised to make it the theme of policy throughout his administration. And that is not an empty promise because we are seeing – in instance after instance that uh, this radical perspective is coming out in terms of policy and this and this uh, new rule cites uh, biden's own statements about systemic uh, racism and cites his executive order directing an assault on systemic race so-called systemic racism as comprehensive government policy in every area and so we are seeing that he means it so the moderate joe biden uh, that we thought we were getting is uh, is gone, if he ever existed uh, to begin with. And what we're getting is the the absolutely most radical part of the left in the driver's seat. I don't see how, you know, the famous uh, phrase saying that a gaffe in uh, Washington, D.C. is telling the truth. Yeah. And uh, there are some bureaucrats there in the Department of Education that uh, I, I don't think they're very familiar with conservative media. Right. And I don't think they even considered the fact that their rule was probably the most obvious and extreme thing that they could possibly have promulgated. But they've done it, and in doing so, they've told the truth can about this administration.
1: Can I keep you one more segment, Stanley, or do you have? Of to course. Worry? I wanted to pick up on that with you a little bit about what the frame and the. The median point is of of, of viewing things, racial and political, at places like the Department of Education. I almost wonder if it's as singularly minded ideologically as probably places like Twitter, for that matter. And uh, they just couldn't see anything possibly wrong with what they wrote there. I want to pick up on that with you and the notion of what you've been talking about for so long that is so connected to this the destruction. The intentional destruction of Western civilization. More with Stanley Kurtz when we come back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. It's a delight to have with us uh, Dr. Stanley Kurtz. He's a senior fellow at the Ethics and Public Policy Center, great important piece at National Review today, warning about um, the federal takeover of our public education system with critical race theory as being undertaken by the Department of Education in the Biden administration. Stanley, you have, um, you've done a, 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 great, a great amount of work on not only the concept of but the importance of teaching the Western canon and Western civilization of which critical race theory is directly counterposed. And wants to take out and take apart. And I, I'm just wondering if I don't know if you by chance saw the op-ed in the Washington Post yesterday by Cornell West. But
2: oh, I heard about you, I, I heard about and read about. Worth but I reading, haven't read the full. Op-ed yeah, worth worth
1: worth reading because he could have given the speech you gave to the National Association of Scholars. <laughs> Cornell West could have. He said that Howard University's dissolving of its classics department. Is part of America's continual campaign to disregard or neglect the classics, which is a sign of academic, spiritual decay, moral decline, and deep intellectual narrow- narrowness running amok in American culture. This is what Joe Biden wants to expand in our schools. Cornell West, Cornell West, of all people, is opposed to this.
2: Well, I do think back, actually, Seth, to the original battle at Stanford University in 1987 over Western Civilization. And one of the things that comes to mind is, at the time, um, the people that wanted to replace the Western Civilization course kept saying, oh, we have nothing against the study of Western Civilization, we just want to add these other things. Uh, And here we are, all these years later... And it emerges that well, they do have something against the study of Western civilization. And having initially argued that they were all they were doing is taking a few baby steps and adding some additional material, uh, and there was no real threat, and everyone was being an alarmist. Now the the almost unimaginably worst fears of conservatives in 1987 have been fully. Uh, justified, and so we, we need to remember this on a range of issues. When conservatives warn about all the bad consequences that will follow, and inevitably it gets poo-pooed by the left. We've already seen it uh, play out uh, just right before our eyes
1: over the course of about thirty years, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, we totally have, and and not only has it played out, there seems to have been not just a playing out, but a winning side in a sense, Stanley. Uh, the sense of the winning side being that if you or I were members of our school boards and spoke the way you write uh, or address these matters the way I talk, um, we would be seen as bigots, racists, fools, Neanderthals, uneducated, unconscious, raised. In other words, their side has the cultural high ground, if not the moral high ground.
2: Well – i think there's a lot of truth to that but i think there is a big big question mark here okay, because it is absolutely true as you say that the um, prestige places in the culture now have adopted this view but i think it's true at the same time you referred to twitter earlier yep, sure. that we're dealing with a minority of people and everyone else is terrorized into submitting because they don't want to be accused of being a racist but I think you have, and I think um, it was Roger Kimball who had a piece uh, a few weeks ago saying, uh, "Is the left on the verge of triumph, or is it about to commit suicide?" Yeah. you know, and it's unclear. Uh, he ended up saying, and I agree, we we don't know the answer. But I can imagine a situation in which the needle just keeps on moving, and they reach final triumph. Certainly, the uh, they've trained up a generation or two, and there's a plausible argument. But I can equally imagine. That uh, they've gone too far this time, and remember, we had, um, we've had, uh, well, from Trump and even before Trump, under Reagan, with the wave of neoconservatives, and even the origins of neoconservatism under Nixon, we find that when the left uh, moves uh, to uh, insanely extreme places, it tends to drive uh, erstwhile Democrats uh, right.
1: That's 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 a good way to put it and I have long thought Stanley that if there is going to be a new birth of uh of uh maybe not a new birth if there's going to be a a, a an increase in the identity of conservatives or republicans from the left or liberals or democrats if we're going to get neo neo conservatives they're going to be liberals uh from college campuses who have faced the cancel culture or the censorship that is so rampant for them trying to voice what they thought were <laughs> enlightened liberal principles. You're already beginning to see a few cracks here and there, just a few here and there. Bill Mars seems to be willing to take on some of the nostrums of the left. He's not exactly the ally I want, but it's a start, huh, Stanley?
2: I agree, and I think what we don't know is whether people like uh, Bill Maher and Barry Weiss and others are um, outliers uh, or whether they actually represent a a tectonic movement that is taking place beneath, and I've seen signs of of both, and again, it's hard to tell. But I can well imagine that at a certain point, and I would go beyond what you said before, I agree that there are a lot of people in colleges and universities who don't like uh, what they encounter, but precisely because all of this has begun to spill out uh, of the colleges I- into um, the co- the culture at large, and precisely because we're now talking about the education of people's children, which which people care about yep. almost more than anything, yep. I think you could see an immense reaction in the other direction. In fact, I think it's – I'm not predicting it, but I think there's a real possibility of what you could almost call another tea party, but this time focused around these uh, educational issues.
1: You might be very well right. I sure hope you're right. I have a minute left with you, Stanley, let me throw a big question at you. You're an anthropologist by training, if memory serves. Um, The Western core uh, curriculum, one of its great benefits was keeping us a united culture, having a series of ideologies, thoughts, philosophies, language we all had in common and appreciated as well. In the 1860s, we had a huge civil war in this country about one big terrible issue. A friend of mine in Washington says it's worse today, Stanley, because it's not one big terrible issue. It's everything. And in part, it's because we've killed the Western culture. Students in Spartanburg used to read what students in Manhattan read in the classrooms, no longer. Is it worse now or is it worse then? Are we more divided now or are we more divided then?
2: I'm not sure how I would compare it to the Civil War, but the fact that it's a legitimate question and we could argue it out is very scary. Uh, It's worse than we would ever want it to be if we can have a legitimate debate even about whether we're at Civil War levels or worse. It's bad.
1: Nicely put. That we can even raise it as a question. Stanley Kurtz, Ethics and Public Policy Center, EPPC.org. You are a treasure. Thank you, sir, for everything.
2: Thanks so much, sir. God bless you.
1: Scott Johnson over at the Powerline blog. Is uh, as I had mentioned earlier, uh, going uh, full full hog here. Good for him on taking uh, taking on Democrats who want to use this moment to uh, declare America as being permeated by systemic racism. And he actually goes through uh, some nice sources if you want them over at the Powerline blog, things you can use to teach your children about how. That's a view of America (laughs) that was soundly defeated a long time ago. Um, He even cites to uh, Harry Jaffa saying the original Constitution and hence original intent jurisprudence can only be defended if one distinguishes the principles of the Constitution from the compromises of the Constitution. The framers made concessions to slavery because they believed the Constitution would not be ratified without them. Had the Constitution not been ratified, slavery would have been in a far stronger position. Instead, the new Constitution created a government strong enough to deal with slavery when the crisis finally came. Moreover, the future of the Union as a guardian of the cause of human freedom throughout the world depended upon the distinction between the Constitution's principles and its compromises. But what's important to remember is the Constitution itself does not make the distinction Although it guarantees to every state of the union a Republican form of government, it does not say what the principles of the form are. These principles are spelled out in the Declaration of Independence, which is why so many of us like to cite it so often, because we think life, liberty and natural law and truth mean something and matter and were the animating principles from not only um, the founders but to Abraham Lincoln and Frederick Douglass as much as to the civil rights movement and Martin Luther King, the very principles upon which all civil rights depend and are referred to when they are fought for. Scott Johnson goes on with some speeches from Lincoln and... uh, Shuts with a couple of essays by Alan Guelzo and um, and others, including Tom West's book, "Vindicating the Founders." It is important to remember, as Kamala Harris and Joe Biden will continue to fulminate, that there are a lot of lies being told. It wasn't the whole country. It wasn't all of the country. It isn't systemic. It isn't common, and no, this new talking point, no, 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 modern policing did not originate with slavery. That's the latest talking point, that the police force itself is a vestige of slavery. No, no, and again no. Dan McLaughlin deals with this well. In national review, going through the origins of police forces from Great Britain to France and the um, precedence of those forces that we, um, we embraced to create our police force here, police forces here in America. It is not, like the Electoral College is not, another vestige of slavery. Sorry. Sorry. There's enough wrong in our country that we don't have to make stuff up. There is not, evidently, enough racism in our country that keeps us from making stuff up. This is what Larry Elder talks about, as Walter Williams talks about, with the supply and demand of racism in America. The demand is greater than the supply. That is to say the need to use it or the perceived need to use it is greater than what racism actually exists, which is why there are so many racial hoaxes and use of racialism where there is no racialism, as in the Chauvin case. 602-508-0960, Candace Owens, when we come right back. If you're thinking about going solar for all your home's energy needs, I want you to think about my friend Solar Sandy. Do more than think about her. Give her a call. She's the one who brought integrity back to solar in Arizona. Difference between Solar Sandy and other solar companies, besides her integrity, is she's actually figured out how to truly zero out your power bill. It's so important when going solar, you do it the right way, and Solar Sandy is the right way. She wants to put more of your hard-earned money back into your pocket. When you go solar, Solar Sandy will pay 12 months of your solar payments, any portion of your power bill for the first 12 months, and the first 50 families who sign up with her will receive a $1,000 signing bonus. That's right. No solar panel payments, no power bill for 12 months, and a $1,000 bonus at signing. No better time to go solar with Solar Sandy than right now. Go to AskSolarSandy.com. Again, that's AskSolarSandy.com. Tell her Seth sent you. Check, check out her customer reviews, too. They're great. They're through the roof. They deserve to be. They should be. All right. Little Cowbell, I've been playing you different voices on um, the uh, Derek Shelvin jury verdict, and I would be remiss if I didn't also give you this one. Candace Owens with Tucker Carlson last
0: night. Candace Owens, you'd think in a country like ours, very top, I mean, this is the most first world country that's ever been, you'd think the most civilized and the most just, here you have to consider a murder case through the lens of politics. When you get to that point, haven't you already given up civilization?
3: that's correct. And what we're really seeing is mob justice, and and that's really what happened with this entire trial. This was not a trial about George Floyd or Derek Chauvin. This was a trial about whether the media uh, was powerful enough to create a simulation and decide upon a narrative absent any facts. Whether it was powerful enough to repeat showing and talking about a nine-minute clip that came from somebody's cell phone without adding any context, without showing the full full police video which they could have released. They refused to release the full body cam, which would have added more clarity um, to the fact that the media was lying you know the media came out let's not forget this sucker the media came out and told us that this was a man who was just getting his life together he was a good you know good member of society and he got mixed up because a racist white police officer had it out for him and, and killed him All of that fell apart. All the facts came out, and all of that fell apart. We now know, of course, that he had enough fentanyl in him. It was three times the lethal dosage, three times lethal dosage in him when he died. But nobody cares, because the media was successful in putting out a narrative, and they kept hitting that narrative. And the reason why the Democrats are happy is because they realize, of course, the media supports them, and now means the Democrats can get whatever they want, because they can create a narrative, and then they can treat people like pawns and get them to basically say, if we don't get what we want, we will riots we will loot we will send these people out like soldiers to destroy your neighborhoods and that is exactly what has happened that has been the determination of this trial the media and the democrats now have enough power to bully to bully and to lie to and to create propaganda and to successfully win and that is what happened and they are celebrating that win today this was not a fair trial Only one side. no person can say this was a fair trial
0: You just got to take three steps back and acknowledge that only one side behaves this way. I mean, a jury in 1995 concluded that O.J. Simpson, despite DNA evidence, hadn't murdered two people and there were no riots. But more to the point, there are a lot of people sitting behind Trump voters sitting behind bars right now have been for months charged effectively with trespassing. We're not speculating. We've seen the charges. No Republican in the Congress stands up for them. Nobody mentions that nobody, you know, is for prison reform when it's their political enemies. That's not equal justice, but nobody says it. Why is that?
3: because we have two pandemics going on right now. There's a pandemic of ignorance in this country and that is only allowed to fly because we also have a pandemic of cowardice in this country, okay? So we have people uh-huh. that are, are purposefully putting out a bunch of ignorant uh, ignorant claims and then we have people that are too cowardly to stand up and say, you know what, this is wrong. Th- th- there has been so much that has been going on in this country that is wrong. You talk about it, I talk about it, but we do not have people that are sitting in Congress that are willing to take this fight where it needs to be taken. By the way, you bring up Maxine Waters inciting violence. I'm so old, Tucker. I remember when a man said, march peacefully and patriotically to the Capitol, and that was considered an insight to violence, right? That was like, oh my God, stop the press, get this person disappeared from social media because he is calling for violence. Look at what Maxine Waters says. No one, no one in the media is condemning these, uh, condemning these remarks. That same media that contem- condemned Trump and his supporters for weeks on end is now defending Maxine Waters. And we both know this is not the first time that Maxine Waters has incited violence. Don't forget, rush down. If you see a Trump supporter, you've got to rush him down in the restaurants. They're allowed to do this. They play by a different set of rules, but it's because we allow them to play with that different set of rules. They get away with virtually everything because we don't have strong people on our side that are willing to stand up. You know, and and, and that it's a sad conclusion. It really is so frustrating. And the idea of martyring George Floyd, the way Nancy Pelosi spoke about him, it completely forgives all of the trauma that he brought against his victims while he was alive. You know, a man that served seven-plus stints in prison while he was alive, armed robbery being two of the reasons why, and now we're going to martyr him and say that your name will forever be synonymous with justice? Imagine, Tucker, if you are one of his victims that is alive, one of his victims that he armed robbed, and you have to hear that this man's name will always be synonymous with justice. How would that feel to you? I feel like we are living in fiction right now in America. We are losing this country, and we are living in fiction because people are not strong enough to call out this stuff. And I feel like I'm one of the only ones who has the courage to say, I will not be mobbed into a different reality.
0: This is where they try and pull you off the Internet, because you're not afraid. I just got to ask you, it's it's frustrating, of course, to watch what you and I have been talking about, where one side ferociously defends its power. The other side abandons its voters to jail. I wonder, though, is there a point where just ordinary people can say, you know, I'm not in control of politics, but you're not allowed to block my street with a protest or intimidate me uh, on my front lawn or break into my store and steal stuff like I'm going to defend my family. I'm going to defend my business. You don't have a right to do that. There's no justification for riots anymore. And I'm just not going to put up with it.
3: Will we get to that point, do you think? No, we're not going to. That's why they're already moving the ball. They're already moving it. They're moving the goalpost already because they're saying right now that that's not enough. That wasn't justice, by the way, because what they're saying is what they want is a perpetual revolution. It's why they want people to be ignorant. It's why they want people in the education system to learn nothing but race and how to be angry. They want people acting like toddlers because when people are ignorant, they act like toddlers. They whine, they complain, they cry because they are absent facts. They are absent knowledge. So we are actually seeing a system oppression that is taking place that is rotten it is throughout our the propaganda that's taking place in the mainstream media and it is working with the education institutions teaching critical race theory and all of this nonsense to make sure that we are mass producing failures that are angry and that are violent and that are willing to riot and loot on behalf of the democrats because that's all they want right now are pawns in their nefarious scheme to take over this country
1: preach it sister mass producing failures i'm seth we'll be right back Thanks for spending some of your afternoon with us. David Marcus writes in the New York Post Joe Biden's declaration that America is a dystopia mired in irredeemable racism is a leftist lie meant to undermine society. No one defended Derek Chauvin. His boss testified against him. A diverse jury weighed the evidence and found him guilty. On the local and national level, reforms are being debated, such as revoking immunity for police officers in certain cases. This is the system. Working but for but for progressives, that's not enough. No, America must atone. we must self flagellate to the extent Biden even understands what he is saying. He is merely parroting the talking points of critical race theory. We must confess our privilege, which is wholly attached to our race, not our class. We must believe that this country was founded on white supremacy. Never mind to Joe Biden that he was elected vice president to our verse that he was elected vice president to our first black president nor that he was elected commander in chief with a black woman as vice president nope america has not changed never mind that gang violence and guns are the real blight on black communities taking far too many young lives and that most black and hispanic voters disagree with defunding the police who are trying to stop the carnage nope it's the cops so how is america to remove this racist stain on its soul? Prayer, meditation, woke training sessions? No. And here is where the true agenda is revealed. There is nothing that can make America not racist, they argue. It's been that way since 1619, and not the Civil War, not civil rights, not the steady increase in black wealth and employment can change that. The prosecution of Chauvin isn't enough because for the progressives and Black Lives Matter it will never be enough. We will be racist until we tear down capitalism, eliminate the Senate, expand the court, And live in a Marxist utopia where police are never needed and everyone gets a universal income, never mind that these fantasies have never worked. But those are the fantasies being sought and being pushed (coughs) by today's Democratic Party. And to do so, they have had to revive the Democratic Party of the 1860s to look at it for their narrative of America's founding. What a shame. What a shame. We thought we fought it and won. They want to fight it again and have us all lose. Until tomorrow, God bless you all. I'm Seth Liebson, and class dismissed.